We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How we doing today? Welcome to the show. Glad to have you with us. It is the Friday edition of Rapid Fire. It's Rapid Fire only. That's why we're on at 5 o'clock live today. And uh, Vince D'Addario, Jesse Styers, Sean Styers. How are you guys doing tonight? Terrific <laughs> is how I'm doing tonight. I'm excited. I got there's a big. I was scared uh, here for a minute. There was a pregnant pause, and I was worried you were going to say, um, getting that clicking sound coming. Well, <laughs> I, I was I was letting Jesse jump in, but I decided, well, he's not going to talk. I'll go ahead and talk. So, big <laughs> high school basketball game tonight. So, I'm excited. Penn versus Marion. Who is there? Number okay. one versus number two. And uh, I have to work it. Probably would have gone anyway. But uh, since one's my alma mater, one is where I work. Should be a good one. Obviously, Marcus Burton is committed to Notre Dame. Yeah. See how that plays out, obviously, with the what we're going to be talking about today. So should be a lot of fun. Vince, do you have any ties left? Like you went to Marion, you worked for Penn, you worked for Adams, you I'm worked pretty for sure Washington. Every... Yeah. Clay. Uh, Clay. Clay. Yeah, coach. Weren't Clay. you at Riley? You coached at Clay, or Riley for a little bit. Yep. yep. I've been all over the place. I am a... Uh, how would I want to put this? I am a mercenary. I will go wherever. I will go wherever. <laughs> but no, I, I mean, my ties to Marion, obviously, I graduated high school in 1999. So not a whole lot of people left over from my tenure at Marion. So it's a lot different there now than it was when I was there. So. 1999, one year before Mike Bray was hired as head coach. And that's how you Notre Dame. There Wrap it all up, baby. That's we tie it all in. You are such that a we tie it all in. Hit the like button if you would as we get started tonight. Glad to have you with us. As always, subscribe, rate, review, comment, all that good stuff. You know, it, it's been a crazy 24 or so hours, a little bit more than 24 hours, yeah. I guess, at this point. And I was just thinking before we started up, a lot of people, I guess, coming at Tom Noy for breaking the news before the team found out, which I think is completely ridiculous. You know, they're like, well, they deserve to hear it from Bray before they heard it, you know, secondhand on Twitter or in a media report or whatever. First, and I'll let you guys comment on this, yep. but as as Tom said, their practice started at 3.30. He broke the news at, a, at 4.10, so that's 40 minutes. I, I doubt they're on Twitter in the middle of practice, you know, hearing it at that point. But even bigger picture – it's not a reporter's job to sit on news, you know, depending on who he got the information from. It's it's not a reporter's job to to accommodate the timing or feelings of a team or a coach or anyone else. You know, if someone gives you the news and, you know, and this will happen from time to time, you'll get something and say, hey, here's here's the information. But don't say anything until after, you know, four o'clock, five o'clock, you know, whatever, you know, if sure. they put stipulations on it, then unless you want to tick off your source. You know, you agree to this. You agree to those stipulations. There are no stipulations given. The reporter is under. He's not a PR person. You know, he's not. He's not Notre Dame PR. He's under no obligation to conform to to anything. It's not like. It's not like there was. You know, like if there is. You know, say someone is in an accident and are taken to the hospital, and you know, worst case scenario, they they die or you know, and their their family members involved. That's a different story right 
I Absolutely. Think. This is this is sports. It's completely different. It's a thousand percent different. And Tom actually had the news before he broke it and waited until the players were at practice. I mean, I it's it's ridiculous that people were getting on. I was reading through the tweets yesterday, and he had to put another tweet out explaining himself which is ridiculous number one right. he shouldn't even have to explain himself no i'm sorry people were calling him a clown and and bad journalism like give me a break like bad journalism for breaking news do you even understand yes. what journalism is right. oh everybody <laughs> just has to be first they were all complaining i'm like give me a break he is the closest person to the situation that is in the media he has been covering Notre Dame basketball for 25 years. He's right. been there every step of the way for Mike Bray. There's not a whole lot of people that can say that. I'm thinking zero, actually, that can actually say that confidently. That's been his beat. Of all the people, he should be the one to break it. And they were at practice. You and I have both been to basketball practice. They're not running around with their phones in their hands. Okay? So they didn't see the breaking news during the Although middle Although Salty practice. says, are you sure they're not on Twitter? They don't seem to be practicing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good point. I mean, it is what it is, but. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I, it just, I, I was, I my heart went out to Tom because he was taking a lot of crap for that, and it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, as, as long, you know, I didn't see much of this, and I you guys were telling me yesterday that, there was big news, and I didn't even know what the big news was yet. So <laughs> that's how I usually am, actually. But so I, to me, as long as you know, someone's got to break the news, and I agree that I feel like it. Uh, the news shouldn't be broken before there's an opportunity to, to speak to the team. But like he waited until you know practice was underway, and then afterwards, it, I'm, I'm from what I understand, Bray was going to sit down with the team. It's not like he broke it at 9 a.m. in the morning, and it you know it went around all day and that kind of stuff. So. You know, for me, as long as as long as there is, uh, you know, given the 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 proper amount of time on both ends, I feel like it's it's really not that big of a deal. Someone's got to report the news. Someone's got to bust the news. And you know, it's someone like Tom. I I feel like deserves to break the news because of what you talked about. He's been around the program for so long. This is what he's done for so many years. So he's he's been here. You know, almost as as long as you know Mike Bray has been here. Yes, and it was accurate news. Obviously, it's yeah. it's not like he reported something that didn't happen. It was very accurate. And within, I think, less than an hour after Tom broke the news, there was an official release from the University of Notre Dame. And then, of course, we had a press conference today. We've got a couple yes. comments from Mike Bray's press conference that we're going to get to. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. He was uh, asked what he wants to be remembered for, and here's his answer to that. People have asked about legacy with these seniors, and and I so appreciate our guys here today. That'll be 72 young men that have come through and have finished their degree and have played for. And and that's like 72 sons. And I certainly have heard from a lot of them uh, in the last 24 hours. And those relationships are the key. Like we've had some amazing wins and fun stuff. We've also had some disappointing losses and disappointing seasons, but it's like, it's about the guys and the relationships. And uh, um, I'm looking forward to a reunion down the road when we can get a bunch of my guys back because we got a lot of stories. So that is what Mike Bray said. And I'll be honest, you know, I listened to this whole press conference today and there wasn't a whole lot of revelation. There was just, you know, little bits and this and that and here and there's and, and all that kind of stuff but fill in the blank for you guys what will you remember mike bray for that you will most remember mike bray for blank i almost forgot it was a fill in the blank question <laughs> go, go ahead jess you got it or you want me to take it no i'll go ahead and start this one Beautiful. to me to me what i'll always remember mike bray for first and foremost um is i think he was a tremendous head coach um but on top of that i thought he was a tremendous person I never thought his ego or his coaching got in the way um, of who he was and how he treated players. And I think that a lot of his players have a great relationship with him and a great respect for him. Um, But to me, at the end of the day, being a coach, um, whether you're a nice guy or a bad guy, comes down to your wins and losses and your success. And when you're talking about, you know, Notre Dame, especially, you know, you're not just here to to fill a void or fill a role like you're here to win games. So. I most remember the back-to-back Elite Eight appearances, um, and then the the and I can't remember which year it was. I think it was fifteen when they actually won the ACC championship um, and kind of upset you know the Dukes and the North Carolinas and stuff um, and went on that run. And and unfortunately they lost to Kentucky and I, which is probably still my favorite Notre Dame basketball game game where uh, you know Jeremiah Grant comes best game of that whole tournament. Best yeah. game of that whole NCAA tournament, by And the I'm way. still convinced that if they would have won that game, that that would have been his best shot at making it all the way to the championship and maybe, maybe even winning it. So that, for me, Duke, are the best Mike Bray moments. Duke ended up winning the championship, and Notre Dame beat Duke twice that year. You know, like, they had a legit – That was that their game, chance. Oh, yeah. my gosh. By the before before you answer, Vince, Jesse, do you remember the first time you ever saw Mike Bray? Now, I'm testing you a little bit because you were very, very young. You have no recollection? No, I don't think so. You don't remember? It is the winter of 2001. I want it's, it's either January or February 2001. So, you know, strong Mike Bray, five years old. My, yeah, a strong five years old. You still love, you and, and your mom and sister still lived in Colorado where, you know, I lived before I came here. I had, Bray got the job basically three months before me. And then that first season, I hosted his first coach's show at Parisi's Restaurant, which he's reminded me of a couple of times. And so the the, the Styers clan, Jesse and his sister and my wife, Stacy, came into South Bend for the very first time the night we were doing a coach's show. And, you know, they flew into Chicago drove over all that stuff and the first thing they did was go straight to the coach's show you have no memory of that i i take it i have memory of the coach's show i don't have memory <laughs> of that specific show all right all right flew in for the free meal from parisi's well right. done sean well done <laughs> go ahead vince go ahead you know, that would have, like vince vince and i would have been best friends if i had said hey come to saw, parisi's <laughs> that's all i'm saying that was three years before you met me but if i knew that's there was right. a free meal on the line i'd have been there we'd have been friends three years earlier 
So for me, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm going to echo a little bit of what Jesse said. Uh, you know, it was the Elite Eight appearance. It was that 2015 team that won the ACC championship and, and everything you guys said. That is what I was going to say. I mean, Mike Bray became the face of Notre Dame basketball. I mean, they were in a really, really bad situation when he got here. I mean, they were less than competitive when they got here. And I know there's going to be people out there who say that they're less competitive now. but They are. But where they where he got them to and the manner in which he got them there, I thought was impressive. And to be able to negotiate and navigate the Big East and then the transition into the ACC, Big East was the best basketball around for a really long time. The ACC kind of took that mantle. And then Notre Dame was like, yeah, we're going to the ACC. And it was like, Okay, I mean, if that's really what you want to do, and they did a, they won the ACC championship their second year in the league after they were horrible their first year in the league. Right. By the way, I mean that's impressive. Okay, yeah. I, I and that is not an easy transition to make, and he was the head of the program when they made that transition. So, I mean, you got to give him credit for that. I mean, there's a lot of things as a coach maybe that I wouldn't have done or whatever, and that that's what we do is we second guess. And things like that, but he brought this program back to relevance. Now it's slipping in the other direction at the moment, which is why there's going to be a change. But he's got to be given a lot of credit for what he was able to do with this program. And I give him that credit. A decade, a decade they went without going to the NCAA tournament. And the year before he, you know, took over, you know, they they bring in Matt Doherty, who is an assistant at Kansas. They bring him in. To you know, to be a head coach, he called it his internship. That's how he treated it. But they they got back, they got to the NIT, and that was a celebration. Like people, like the fact that Notre Dame was even in the NIT after the previous yeah. nine oh, years yeah. was huge. And then of course, Doherty jumps to North Carolina. Bray comes in, boom, they're in the NCAA tournament. And and yeah, the last few years have obviously been forgettable, with the exception of last year. Obviously, there has been a long drought, but. When you look at, as he'd said, from 2001 through 2017, 12 NCAA tournaments in that stretch from, from 01 to 17 after 10 consecutive years of no NCAA tournament, you are judged at a minimum by do you get your team to the tournament? And, you know, like he was talking about 72 players. That seemed like a low number when I you know was sitting there. It's like, man, 23 years, 72 players. But, you know, basketball classes are smaller and all sure. that. Kind of and stuff, they stick but, around at Notre Dame for a longer period of time yes. than other places. I mean, yes, you know. I mean, you're right. You have to hope that that this program, you know, it's it's close to a total rebuild now with the state that it's in. But in his prime, he was doing he was he was basically doing digger type things. And I know you can you know talk about well, you know, digger went to a Final Four and Bray never went to a Final Four and all these different things. You're talking about two completely completely different eras because, yes, Digger took Notre Dame to the NCAA tournament when when the you know when the field was half the size, but at the same time he was also coaching in an era where guys stayed for four years. Mike Bray has never had that luxury, and that's part of the you know get old, stay old, and all that kind of stuff by by you know cohesion and what he was trying to do. So I'll just I'll, I'll you know I. He's the all-time winningest coach in the history of the program, a program that's been around for a long time and, uh, you know, a, a program that has a person like Digger Phelps. And that's something else as well that, you know, like that I learned right away doing that coach's show is like Digger would come in every now and then. And like, it was very obvious that Mike Bray was going to be his own man. He didn't want, you know, the the Good. comparisons to Mike Krzyzewski. He didn't want the comparisons to Digger Phelps. He was going to be his man. He was going to do things the way he wanted to do it. He, you know, he's run a clean program the whole time. And at its peak, it was a very successful program. And that is how he should be remembered. Look, very rarely do things end well for anyone, especially in that profession. And to go as long as he did, he should definitely be more, much more remembered for what he turned the program into from what it came right. from than, you know, any struggles right now because yeah. he was following the same blueprint 
but I think you just, you know, he, he missed on some guys. There's a, yeah, you know, yeah. like he brought up, you know, athleticism at one point in one of his answers to something today, not, not critiquing his own team, but you know, like there is a definite lack of athleticism that that core group of guys who has been together for five years. And that's, that's a big part of why they are where they are right now. They might have basketball like you, but program's got to get more athletic going forward. I think some of the more impressive stats when talking about Mike Bray's entirety at Notre Dame is he only had three losing seasons um, overall. He had a .64 winning percentage, and in conference play, he had a .6 winning percentage. So I think those are great stats when talking about you know his overall time at Notre Dame. And he almost ripped off like 10 straight NCAA appearances there for a solid amount of time. So mm-hmm. he was cooking for a little bit, and I think that was – it was it was great. He he ran his own brand of basketball. You know the way that Notre Dame played. I don't think was um, it was different compared to you know most of the powerhouses. He wanted to you know run sets, uh, be good defensively, not turn the ball over. Um, and on offense, they they took out a lot of clock. They were getting you know their select shots and trying to hit their shots at their spots. So I I, I think it's sad to see someone like Mike Bray but go. But unfortunately, like you said, everyone's time kind of comes up at some point. Absolutely. So he was also asked, why now? And he goes beyond just why now. And that's what, so, so listen to this, listen to it closely before we talk about it when it's over. You know, I think it can be a distraction, speculation, and what's going on? Is he coming back? Do they want him to come? You, you know, I just want our guys to try and focus and play. And my my thought was, why don't we give some clarification to this thing right now and um, see if it helps our group and, and, quite frankly, help Notre Dame, you know, that they can get into the process of getting a little bit of advance notice on the search. I'm fully available, and Jack and I have talked about – help him get the next person you know that's i think that's a big responsibility for me to help hire the next right coach here so there you hear it mike bray when asked why now he went into uh, you know being a part of the process to find the next head coach i'll start with you on this one vince so how much involvement do you think the outgoing head coach should have in picking the new head coach I will say that in this particular situation, there is a lot of respect from Jack Swarbrick towards Mike Bray, rightfully so. I think that if I'm if I'm in Jack Swarbrick's shoes, I am soliciting advice. I have no problem with that. Hey, what direction do you think we should go? What are your thoughts? That's fine. That becomes a part of the equation if I'm Jack Swarbrick. Mike Bray and myself, we're not sitting down interviewing candidates and being involved in the final decision. That's not happening, in my opinion. I will take his opinion. We will have that conversation. We'll sit down. I may even have Mike reach out to a couple people for me or whatever. That's fine. Get their interest, gauge their interest, whatever. At the end of the day, no, I don't. He's not. You don't, part you don't of the necessarily decision. want him sitting in the interview process no. and like you know screening guys for like what he thinks you know like the the focus needs to be. Yeah, I I just I don't want him to necessarily have his thumbprint on that hire. You know what I mean? And that because well, number one, I think that undermines Jack Swarbrick. Jack Swarbrick has proven he can hire coaches at a high level. Let him do his job, and let's see where this thing goes. I, and again, I will take his opinion, but that's kind of where it stops. And that's out of respect for what he was able to give to the university. Yeah, I think that this question is a very specific uh, to the situation type question. I think that there are situations where there should be no involvement. I think there should be partial involvement. Like there should be stages of involvement depending on the situation. Right. I think obviously if you're fired, they're not going to ask your opinion. Right. On or you've only been there for two or three years or, you know, right. you're not, you're not invested. Someone like Mike Bray. Or, or like your Matt Doherty, you know, like they didn't ask Matt yeah. Doherty on his way yeah. out. You know, Kevin right. White wasn't like, Hey right. Matt, you know, thanks for stopping by for a year. You know, he's yeah. probably in town for less than a year. <laughs> it was all said and done. Probably right, actually. Yeah, so I I think that Mike Bray should have some involvement because of, you know, 
the, the work that he put in at Notre Dame and the, the legacy that he kind of left behind. But the involvement that I think he should get into for me uh, would be basically, okay, Jack Schwarber can come up with a list of guys. Mike Bray can come up with a list of guys. Mike Bray can give his input why he likes these guys. But I don't think that he should necessarily be involved in the interview process. I think after that point, it should be up to Schwarbrick and whoever he's inviting to those interviews. But I don't think Bray himself should be in the interviews. But I think that Bray should be given the opportunity to give you know a list of maybe two or three suggestions that he would seem fit, and then Schwarbrick could have his own list of guys who or you know gals that that should be involved uh, in the interview process. So again, I, I think that it's. It's it's it depends on the situation and because of what Mike Bray has done for Notre Dame and his legacy at Notre Dame, I wouldn't mind him, you know, putting a list together of guys that he think could potentially step in and take yeah. over. Um, but I don't. Again, I, I like the idea of Schwarberg having his own guys too because you don't want to see Notre Dame kind of still trying to play that same brand of basketball. I'd like to see them shift a little bit in the brand of basketball that they're playing, and so I wouldn't want Bray just to pick guys that are necessarily coaches like him. I would like to see kind of a new style or a new flair at Notre Dame basketball at the end of the day. Yeah, there's a difference between you've got out, you know, they had outgoing Hall of Fame coaches at Duke and North Carolina, for example, Coach K and Roy Williams. They had succession plans in place where assistants took right. over. You know, that's that's obviously one thing. And again, I just, I feel, and I agree with, you know, bits of what both of you guys are saying. This is... A situation now where the program currently is it's time for fresh perspective completely yeah. fresh mentality that kind of thing mike bray knows a lot of guys he's very well liked sure. very well respected across college basketball by coaches everywhere like buzz williams remember a couple of years ago when he was still at virginia tech you know told a story about how when when he was trying to come up through the coaching right he was still i think like a grad assistant someplace and he wrote like virtually every college coach in America. And he heard from Mike Bray, you know, Mike Bray wrote him back. This was back in a time where, you know, before yeah, cell phones and texting and yeah, you yeah, actually wrote letters <laughs> and the whole thing. And, you know, so Mike Bray knows a lot of people and, you know, I would have no problem if I'm Jack Swarbrick with a, with a basketball coach of Mike Bray's stature, like you said, taking suggestions, taking some recommendations, here's some names, here's kind of a short list, but then, but then it's on Swarbrick and Jim Frawley and, you know, the, the administrator yeah. with the sport and those guys, they have to then do their due diligence and, you know, figure out, basically just start interviewing people. And that's the benefit, I think, of, of doing this right now is you get a jump on things. You can start, you know, like if Bray gives you a list of guys, you can start watching the games of some of those guys. Sure. And you can example. put out feelers too. I mean, you can talk, yeah. Well, yeah. you can talk to exactly. their people. You can, I mean, there's, there's a lot of that preliminary stuff that you can get out of the way so that when the season's over, you can jump right into interviews, you know, yes. when they get released or they get permitted, you know, whatever the, you know, the technicalities are, but you can do a lot of that preliminary stuff now. Yes. And then the final four rolls around the coaches convention is at the final four million, you know, tons right. of interviews take place down there and there's there's just a lot going you know like the guy at kansas state i saw that you know they were talking about him during the broadcast earlier this week he was an assistant coach at baylor last year and i believe they interviewed him during the big 12 tournament in kansas city last year you know so like all these conference tournaments and stuff like that where you know you've got multiple teams and athletic directors and everybody else congregating there are going to be some opportunities where where notre dame by that time you know, what, what is that? That's like a month and a half from now when, when the conference tournament starts and a little bit more than a month and a half, you know, before the NCAA tournament starts. So there's a lot of time they can start doing their due diligence. I just would not want, I, I, I would want a completely fresh reset. So I wouldn't want the outgoing coach, like in this situation, I wouldn't want him, you know, again, as much as you respect him and everything that he's done, I would just, I, I, I wouldn't want him kind of put sort of trans, transferring his own philosophies into well you you know you want this guy not this you know that kind of stuff i think there needs to be a reset with what yeah. the program is going to have going forward well there's there's going to be there's going to be a reset because you know all these guys that we know of that are leaving the roster and now that you have a brand new head coach there could even be more turnover this, this roster is going to look nothing like it does now last night 
I mean, this year. Like, next year, it's going to look nothing like it does this year. Not even close. And, you know, Tom Noy, when I had him on on Wednesday and we were talking about that, he's like, yeah, you know, J.J. Starling, Ben, Ab- ben Allen Lubin, like, they could leave. You know, it's a new coach. Yeah. You just they could all pack up portal. and go. They could all be gone. I mean, this could be literally a fresh start for whoever the new head coach is. So it it's going to be interesting to see how but, they go. And it's going to be telling as well where they want this program to go with who they hire. But again, the guy at Kansas State, and I can't think of his name off the top of my head. He was an assistant at Baylor last year. He's been around. He's a basketball lifer. He took over that program with two scholarship players on the roster. And they yeah. are currently, they just beat Kansas earlier this week and they are currently they've been in the top 10 they're in the top 15 right now now getting into kansas state is different than getting into notre dame and that is still part of the equation you still have to have someone with the philosophy of how they're going to approach that you know shopping down uh, a different aisle right that's 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 exactly right because because think about it think about the success of private schools in basketball you've got duke where you had a hall of fame coach now it's yet to be determine if Shire can keep that going anywhere close to the way Mike Bray did. You've got Baylor, who has shown that they are more than willing to, you know, academic standards. What are those? You know, like with their uh-huh. sports, they're they're playing on a different level in terms of private institutions. And other than that, you know, who are who are the the, the private schools? Gonzaga is the only other one in basketball. Yeah. Like those are the big three. I think in in terms of who's succeeding in yeah. college basketball, and I, I think it's very safe to say that all of them have different approaches toward academics when it comes to getting student athletes in the door than like the Notre Dames and Stanford's and Northwesterns of the uh, of the Power Five world. Yeah. All right. So changing subject here a little bit, a Michigan collective called Champions Circle launched something recently called the One More Year Fund. Its goal was simple, so simple it was outlined on their website. They wanted to keep running back Blake Corum, wide receiver Cornelius Johnson, left guard Trevor Keegan, and right guard Zach Zinter from leaving for the NFL. So the group raised over $100,000 by using this website and having people make donations. And guess what? All four of them are staying at Michigan as a result. So what do you guys think about this? Number one, I'm really, okay. The overall idea of it, I love it. I have no problem with that. That's that's NIL. It, but Michigan's involved, so we're going to get it. Well, no, no, no. I, I wasn't going to go there, although, I mean, I do think that. But they only got $100,000, and that's what kept them there? Twenty-five grand each? I mean. I did think the same thing. It doesn't I, seem like a lot of money. Yeah, if you'd have told me that they raised a million dollars and then all four guys start, decided to stay, yeah, two hundred and fifty thousand. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I don't think a hundred thousand dollars split four ways is what kept those guys at Michigan. Now, I like the concept. I actually do. I mean, using nil money in that manner, I love that idea. I think that's fantastic. I just don't think they raised enough money. I don't think that's why they stuck around. That's all. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I think it's desperate, to be honest with you. I think that, uh, yeah, I, I think it's an act of des- uh, desperation. You know, I, I don't think that, that, um, and if they're solely sticking around for the money aspect of it, then I think yes, that's I kind of, they, yeah. I, I think that's kind of also a little telling as well. But I don't know. I, I just find it desperate that you have to start a, like a GoFundMe to keep players. <laughs> In college, and I mean that's basically what it is. It's like anybody it's like could start afraid a of losing to Ohio State again, and I think that's yeah. part of it. Is they want to continue to beat Ohio State, and it feels desperate to me. And I sure if that's what you're going for, and you want to lose to TCU again, or you want to get you know spanked by Georgia like you did the year before, that's fine. But I, I just find it very desperate, and I, I don't I don't think that I would ever partake in something. To be like, oh, let's keep, you know, who I don't know who. Let's keep the, the the best offensive lineman from Notre Dame still intact. Or I don't know. I just feel like that's why you you, no, you recruit. Down. You always are, you know, getting. That's what good coaching is for. Is to kind of find the next guy. It's the next guy up, next man up type mentality. So 
yeah. again, it, it just feels desperate to me. Twenty-five grand wouldn't have kept Michael Mayer or Isaiah Foskey around for another no year. Way. You know, like, like those guys around either, frankly. But I mean, I guess it doesn't hurt. I I wouldn't turn down a twenty-five thousand dollar check. Somebody stood up. No, and I mean, floor. I don't know exactly where these guys were potentially. You know, I'm sure they got their NFL draft grades, and maybe they sure. all said return to school. So yeah. they're like, yeah, sure, I'll take twenty five grand. I mean, a college right. student who's got everything, you know, for the most part paid for anyway, with twenty five grand in his pocket, that ain't chump change, that's you know. Great. But at the no, same time, great. you're exactly right. It's like, it's 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 also not even a hundred thousand dollars, let alone a million dollars. A piece, but this is something you know. You like you said, Vince. This is something very easy that 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 like, you know, if uh, fans of whatever program, you know, not not just for this purpose, but they could, you know, if the, like if they're worried that they're getting out recruited, not by coaches actually recruiting, but by the dollars out there. This is a very simple thing that basically yeah. anyone could do, and then just you know go to the program and say. We want this money to be earmarked for, you know, NIL for players. Yeah. Very simple stuff. Mm -hmm. And if you're Notre Dame, as an example, you've got a very large, um, you know, very, very um, pretty, pretty monetarily endowed, you know, financially well-off alumni base. So. Yep. Yep. I agree with another comment that it's, it's kind of selfish as well. Like, what if that guy gets hurt and he never plays again? You're going to start a GoFundMe to to fund the rest of his life because he didn't. True, get too, back but the, to but the player also made the, the decision that that that's what he wanted to do. You know, that's true. So, but that's and I, you know. I if and I and you know, uh, salty Virginia peanut says, "Come on, that's whack. Twenty five <laughs> grand to risk injury for a year when you're a first round lock? Are you kidding me? The real bribe hasn't been disclosed. Were any of those guys first round locks?" I, I don't think, think Quorum might be up there. He's a running back. They're not taking him in the first. And he's injured. Yeah. He's not going in the first round. Sorry. Yeah. Shytown says it seems. Shytown says it seems very illegal. Not illegal now. No, it's it, not. Know, with, with nil, it's completely above board. You know, there's hundred percent. It's a collective. Look, and you, that's what you hear about all Dame. these collectives. Yeah. There's one at Notre Dame. They have one. Brady Quinn founded it. Very public. Very out there. They literally raise money to give to the players. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, that's NIL right there. Okay, so remember the fumble Sam Hubbard returned for a touchdown in the Bengals' win over the Ravens last weekend? I do. Well, Next Gen Stats says a chip in the football showed Ravens quarterback Tyler Huntley was six-tenths of a yard from the goal line before he fumbled Sunday night. So fill in the blank. It's blank that there's a chip in the football and they're not using them to do things like, Oh, I don't know. Determine first downs and touchdowns. <laughs> well, first of all, I want to say that here six tenths of a yard. You think that that's like very close. It's very misleading. Actually. Exactly. That's the first thing I thought of too, Jess. It is 1.8 feet away from the goal line, almost two feet. That is not close. Right. So I want to clear that up first because when you hear six tenths, you think of a small amount, but six tenths of a yard is where you have to put the yard is three feet. I mean, it doesn't take right. that much to figure out. It's a little bit more than than half a yard. But again, half a yard, that means you're inside the one yard line, you know, and it's uh, true like for one. For one, Huntley shouldn't have been reaching out when he started reaching out. I think well, we that's can what all they teach you. That. You never reach. But yeah. But the other part, you know, to, to the actual question, the fact that they know that it was. One it's foot idiotic. and what'd you say? Eight inches? One foot and eight inches? Like less than two feet away yeah. from the goal line? They know exactly how close it was to the goal line, but they're using it for next gen. They're not using it for anything practical. Yeah, I think it's idiotic that it's not being used uh, for something practical. I, you know, I've said it on this show before. Uh, it was the Festivus, I believe on the Festivus episode, when I said <laughs> I wanted a chip in the football because of things like this. I want to know first downs. I want to know when the ball crosses the plane. I don't think it needs to be used for everything, but when we're talking about touchdowns and first downs, um, I think those are probably two of the more higher relevant situations in the game of football. And the fact that you have a chip in there that is just kind of in there for fun or just for, you know, some stats that you can keep track of, but not actually using it, 
you know, for for determining the game itself or helping, you know, better provide a reliable outcome of the game is very idiotic to me. I think that it should be used, and I've said it before. The the technology that they had in the World Cup for offsides, you don't even need a chip in the ball, apparently, because there's not chip in those human beings with the way that they were doing, you know. I mean, you saw it, right? They would basically have a wall, and then you could see, like, the body part. Yeah, it's like, like infrared. Like as soon as you break it, it's like it you're like in a awesome. crime scene movie or something. It, and they had it almost instantaneously when they would call an offsides play. It's like there's like lasers scoping yeah. out the field at all times, so they like, can you, you're telling build me, these planes. You're, you're telling me that you can't do that in an NFL stadium? Like, you, come on, man! Like, I there is so much technology out there. It's absolutely ludicrous. Is where I'm filling in the blank. It's ludicrous that they can't do it. <laughs> For touchdowns and first downs, it's ludicrous. Yeah. It's crazy. Like why? Why are we using ch- a stick and chain? It, that's yeah. what I was getting ready to say. The, the fact yeah. that they're still stretching a chain out to yeah. determine first downs is just idiotic. They, that could all be laser, you know, done with laser, basically. Yeah. It would yeah. be more precise because all you have to do is reset the ball every first down and say, okay, well, if the if the chip travels ten yards, then you know you got a first down, and it could give you a more precise. And accurate reading. So you don't easy. have to. You don't have to pull out an index card and measure the tip of the ball compared to the uh, the first down marker. If anyone remembers that Cowboys game from a few years back, they literally pulled out an index Gene card Starry to Tork. see if the ball, yep. the plane of the tip, had passed the plane of the first down marker. And you're telling me we can't use a chip, Jesse? I gotta ask you a question. <laughs> you're the numbers guy, right? I sometimes. Did it bother you that they didn't? That they they went with six tenths instead of three fifths. That they they, they, they <laughs> it bothered me. I mean, it bothered yeah. me. I think it just makes it easier that. for people to <laughs> rationalize six out of ten and not. It bothered me. Like why why are we not why are we not simplifying here, people? Yeah. Why are we not reducing me? the fraction? Yes. Why are we I not reducing? I did think that, it, that that number looked odd, but me being <laughs> completely non numerical. Like it didn't, it didn't strike me like that. That's a great point. Three fifths. Yeah. But then like, like, you know, it's like, if they said three fifths, then it's like, okay, six out of 10 as opposed to, you know, I just think it, it, the, the six tenths is less strange. It's probably easier for stupid people to understand. I get it. I, I totally get it. It's just, (laughs) it bothered me. I'm like, why are we, why why are we doing this? Vince impressed me with his math skills today. I I didn't know that those were a part of your repertoire. You did it in your head though. The fact that his brain about blew up the first time I mentioned (laughs) six tenths. He was like texting. I have figured this out by the way. And it's like, I was not even thinking about that. (laughs) (laughs) That's how my mind works. Apparently it's scary. It's a scary place. All right, divisional NFL playoffs this weekend. There's been a lot of talk about how the 49ers played last Saturday. The Cowboys played Monday night, and, of course, they're playing each other this Sunday. Scale of 1 to 10, how much do you think the extra time the 49ers has, uh, you know, have in between games will matter? Uh, for me, I put this at a solid, like, 7, almost 8 <laughs> out of 10. And I think it's relevant Whoa. because, you know, you're a higher seed. You're hosting the game at home. The Cowboys have to whoever whoever was going to play the 49ers was going to have to travel across the country and likely be on two days shorter rest. Right. And so, first of all, I I think it matters in the aspect of, you know, the the 49ers couldn't start actually scheming until they saw the game themselves. Right. Because it was up in the air of who was going to win that game. So it's not like they had an advantage of scheming. But when you're in the playoffs, I think two extra days matter and i think the thing that really upsets me and i understand why they had the monday night game because you have to get aikman and buck in there considering how much money they're making right like that's the whole reason that game was put on monday and it's mlk day and you know everyone's gonna be watching that game why not put the 49ers game at least on sunday like like logically why not put that game on sunday the simple solution by the nfl and i realize they don't like to do this but two things one this is only the second year they've started playing these Monday night playoff games. There's a reason they never played Monday night playoff games before. And it's for this kind of stuff because someone's mm-hmm. going to be at a disadvantage no matter what. The easy solution if you're going to do this is just play the two, you know, whatever conference is is, is playing on Monday night. Right. You play the, you know, both, 
you know, both conference get both NFC games the day before, you know, so you don't have the extra day yeah. in between. Play so both AFC day. on Saturday, play both NFC on Sunday. Yeah, that, that at least takes care of a day right there. Yeah, it's just brutal because at this point in the season, there's a lot on the line. And He's just going to keep complaining, Vince. So if you have anything to say, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> looking for excuses. I just think it's idiotic <laughs> on the NFL's part. <laughs> I, it is idiotic. I will agree with Jesse on that. Obviously, I don't have a dog in the fight. When I originally read this question, I was like, it's no advantage whatsoever. I mean, it is what it is. You don't even know who you're going to play, but it is a slight advantage. So I'm going to put it like a three and a half to four. It's a slighted physical advantage because it is nfl football these guys are literally crashing into each other it's a physical game when you have an extra two days to rest that's legitimate and i give you that i don't think it's a huge advantage from a schematic standpoint as jesse was saying but it is a bit of an advantage from a physical standpoint having two extra days i agree with that it's more of an advantage that the team has to go from the other side of the country to See, that's, California. That's, that's the biggest that's factor to me is the Cowboys had to go to one coast to play Tampa Bay, you know, yeah. basically the coast, one side yeah. of the country to play Tampa sure. Bay. Then yeah. you've got to go back, you know, then you get home at like three in the morning and then, and then you know, home. now you've got to go to the other coast for your second game. So the Cowboys have to travel in both games and that chews up, just, you know, just a huge chunk of time and that, you know, the travel and, and everything else. And in the meantime, while they've got to do all this traveling 49ers, basically because it was a Monday game as well, it's basically like a half days, you know, extra that the 49ers got to, to kind of sit there. I think the rest factor is the biggest thing. I don't think that there's a large competitive advantage. Otherwise, yeah, let's, let's practice time for the <laughs> kicker, but you know, Teams play on Monday night and then turn around and play the following Sunday every week. So from that aspect, it's not like the Cowboys have never played on Monday night and then turned around this and played the, the following Sunday. But I, I know it's the playoffs, Jess. But And that's why I said the NFL should have been thinking about this and at the very least put both NFC games on Sunday and then you know just I move the AFC games to Saturday so you there, there is less, less time in between. That you're giving for that you know because again to me the the travel part of this is what what makes it the worst but i you know you get out there there'll be adrenaline flowing and all that stuff it is the playoffs as you and said. they earn they earned home field so i mean i it is yeah. i mean that's that's an earned advantage and i have no problem with that part of it you know what i mean but that's more of an advantage than anything else yep yeah like shy town said if the cowboys had home field it wouldn't have mattered as much still a little bit but you know, there's there's less travel. You'd, you you've still got two days in between. But I, you know, like you said, from a from a prep standpoint, I don't think it matters that much. You get a little bit more rest, and that's it. So it's not like the 49ers were out there scheming it up. So as far as this weekend, you got the Eagles, Giants, Joe Davis, and Daryl Moose Johnston. We'll be calling that on Fox. Cowboys, 49ers, Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson also on Fox. Bills, Bengals, the uh, Jim Nance, Tony Romo crew on CBS, Chiefs, Jaguars, Mike Tirico, Chris Collinsworth on NBC. There will be no Al Michaels, Tony Dungy this weekend. Thank goodness. My question, will you guys miss not having Joe Buck and Troy Aikman for the rest of this playoffs? Because when they were on Fox, they were going, you know, all, all the way, way to conference championship weekend. Oh, and sometimes doing the Super Bowl. That's right. I'm yeah. a fan of Joe Buck um, and Troy Aikman. Uh, I think that they both do a great job. I know that there's people out there who don't like them and will probably say that they won't be missed. Uh, I would I would prefer Joe Buck and uh, Troy Aikman to do the the game, the Cowboys game, actually. I Unlike this is a, a very unpopular opinion, but I don't like Greg Olson, and I hate when Greg Olson does Cowboy games. So I'm not looking forward to it, especially That's interesting. this weekend. Now, Vince has got to get going here pretty soon. T Explain your We're Greg good. Olson hate. I didn't realize this existed. You know, I know you didn't really care a whole lot for him, but I just, what? you know, this is just. I'm gonna sound stupid, but that's oh, fine. You're, you're you're just typical fan. It's like you. you I know. I, I think he hates on the Cowboys. I really do. Oh my I, I think when he likes, he likes to dig that spear into the Cowboys okay. and twist it. I'm just saying my opinion. It's just how I feel when I watch him. 
You don't, you're like, entitled to your opinion. You don't have to be right, but you're entitled that's to exactly your opinion. Right. <laughs> that's I, right. I, again, maybe my ears have selective hearing, hearing, and I take it to, you know, I dramatize oh. it and take it to another level. But I, dramatize I just feel like he's never been a Cowboys fan. And it's clear at times that, you know, when the Cowboys are doing something bad, he likes to, to, to turn that, that spear a little bit, make it hurt more. All right. I'm going to talk now. I don't have a dog <laughs> in the fight. I... I will miss Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. I think they do a fantastic job. I'm actually a pretty yes. big Joe Buck fan, and I think Troy Aikman does a great job. He when he does I Cowboy love Troy games, Aikman. well, of course you do. But uh, <laughs> when he does Cowboy games, he's not. Cowboy it's game. not like Homer Central with him. I mean, he does a good job of staying neutral. Now he'll tell a story or something along those lines, which is fine. Or how he knows calling, Jerry Jones when he's calling the game. He does a great job, and I like that duo. I think they both do a fantastic job. They together are better than the four guys that are going to be doing Fox games combined. No doubt about it. They will be missed, absolutely. Yeah, Buck and Aikman, you know, like you're basically taking Buck and Aikman out of the rotation, and you're getting Joe Davis and Daryl Moose Johnson as a result. You know, like Burkhart and Olsen would be doing Eagles-Giants, and then Buck and Aikman would have 49ers and Cowboys. D-Rock Irish says, I don't think former players should call games that have their teams in it. Example, Kirk Herbstreet and Troy Aikman. I mean, well, that would be pretty hard to avoid considering you only have so many announcers and they're, yeah. you know, each number one crew. And, you know, not to mention the fact that Herbstreet literally used to live in Columbus and left Columbus because of the whole, you know, like, Ohio State people harassed him and his family because he they think that they hate or think that he's too hard on Ohio State. And like for as many people as you know think Aikman is biased for the Cowboys, there are plenty of Cowboys fans, and he hears it all the time. Plenty of Cowboys fans who get on him because they think that he's too hard on the Cowboys. Like he should be, you know, like up there rah-rah cheering for the Cowboys and that kind of stuff. And if you're hearing it from both sides. That generally means you're doing your job right. Exactly. Oh. That's a good point. When that I when I think of playoff football, I just think that of, you know, Romo and Nance, um, Collinsworth and Tariko and Buckman, or sorry, Buckman, Aikman and Buck. So I, I would I'm I'm just upset that they're not a part of that kind of four man group. I, I I will miss seeing them. I would take them over Ols- the Greg Olson crew and the Durham Johnson crew as well. Yeah. I mean, I missed them. On Sundays this year, you know, not having that that Sunday feel because, you know, like the Monday night, Monday night definitely had a bigger game feel to it by having those guys sure. in it. But really, it's like ah, it's 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 like Monday night and the the matchups aren't always great. So, you know, like unless the Cowboys or some other good matchup happen to show up, I'm not watching all those games. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. But I agree I'll with Jeff. Those, I, I think yeah. that they're the best. I think that they're the best of all the NFL. Oh, it's not all that close, to be honest with you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You want to pick the games? Let's do it. Yeah, I was six and zero last weekend, so you know. <laughs> had to rub that in. Didn't All right, you? let's just do like real quick. <laughs> pick the games, and then we're going to give a. Then, then we're going to like throw out some parlays that we've got for these games as well. So, Eagles Giants. Who you guys got? Giants. Giants. Really hard to beat the same team hard. three times. Jalen Hurts played against backups in that last time they played. Still a very close game. 
Uh, Giants are hot. I just think it's, again, it's hard to beat the same team three times, and the Eagles haven't had a lot of momentum going into the playoffs, and the Giants have. What yeah, I said. mean, I, I, I could see the Giants pulling this off. Do I want it to happen? No, because as Jesse <laughs> and I have been talking about before, like we've already seen the Giants get hot in the playoffs, uh, you know, in 2007 and 2011 and win two Super Bowls as, as you know, just kind of uh, – teams in the season things I'm going break the, the right way for the giants i was listening to uh bill simmons podcast today and he had what's his name i think it's like solak or something like that on and they were talking about what a liability the giants linebacking core is well jalen smith is getting some playing time there that's no that's no dig at jalen smith but yeah it is that's 100 <laughs> a dig at jalen smith Look, jalen <laughs> smith was made in college but there's a reason he's with the giants right now because if he was Agreed. good he'd still be a dallas cowboy oh. I completely agree with you, but I'm like, but you can't say it's not a dig. It's a hundred percent dig. It's, it's a total dig. Yeah. Yeah. A dig. Don't try to backpedal on that. Of course, it's a dig. Yeah. Look, he deserves the dig. He's just he does. He's a liability as a linebacker. He's not a good right. run fitter in the NFL. No, he's not. Not even close. All right, Cowboys 49ers. Vince. Niners. Sorry, they're just they're just too balanced on offense right now. Even with Purdy, who's playing out of his mind. They're just too balanced uh, offensively. I just think that they're going to outscore the Cowboys. Um, I'm a fan, and I'm saying this out of fandom and out of um, brains, intelligence. The Cowboys are winning this. No, the Cowboys are winning this game. Brock Purdy, I understand he's played well. I understand Brock Purdy has played well, but he's played the Buccaneers, the Seahawks twice, the Commanders, the Cardinals, and the Raiders. Those aren't great defenses. I don't think he's seen a pass rush like this. Micah Parsons is going to be on him. The ball's got to well, come look, out. The secondary this, is going to be there. It's going to be hard. It's going to be a close game. I think the Cowboys pull it out. I don't think he's played a good defense yet. You're right. Does Dallas qualify as a good defense the way they played the last five or six weeks of the season? They, you know, look, look, here's what it comes down to. I mean, you, you pretty much nailed it. Dallas has to slow down that San Francisco running game. They have to put hard. Brock Purdy in situations where he has to throw, similar to what the Rams did to Jimmy Garoppolo in the NFC Championship game last year. If you if you put Garoppolo into must-pass situations, the Rams showed what happens. He does not succeed in those situations. And it's the same with Brock Purdy and probably even more so right now because of the fact that he's a rookie. He didn't play well in the first half against Seattle last week. They've got to slow down the run. They have to put him in passing situations where that pass rush can get him. I just have no confidence that'll happen because what's Dallas's weakness on defense? Stopping the run. And that's what San Francisco does. They're they're big, they're physical. You know, they've got all these different weapons. It's going to be tough. You know, J. Ron Curse may end up playing, but he's also banged up. It's like that's who they wanted. You know, he got one of the, the the interception last week in the end zone against Tom Brady. That's who they wanted to defend George Kittle in this game. And you needed a Kittle neutralizer as well. So I'm just not very optimistic that Dallas can slow down that run game enough to make a difference. Because that's that's exactly what you have to do. You got to slow down that run game and make Purdy have to throw. So I'm picking the 49ers. Okay. Sorry, kid. <laughs> All right. Bills Bengals. I'm going Bills. Uh, I think that the Bengals are done on their hot streak. Not done on their hot streak. I just think the Bills are an, a better team overall. I trust them more. Um, and I think that they kind of want that that revenge last year from the from the Bengals. So I'm going to go with the Bills. I think the AFC is a lot easier than the NFC. I think they're pretty clear cut in my eyes. So I'm going to go with the Bills. I mean, it's the Bills for me. As hot as the, the Bengals can be as hot as they need to be. The Bills are just more talented and i think it's going to show uh you know this weekend so it's the bills for me yeah and the Bengals o-line is pretty banged up and we saw that you know last year as well but i it's even more kind of banged up right now yeah and that's that's my biggest question like i picked you know we did super bowl picks last week and i had the Bengals, but that Bengal offensive line is just i just don't know and i think that that the bills maybe are, are you know kind of writing some of this demar hamlin momentum they didn't play particularly well last week maybe they got some of that out of their system I think Buffalo will win if if they were both completely 100 I would lean a little bit more toward the Bengals but I'm going to go with Buffalo 
And then the final one, Chiefs-Jaguars. Anyone have an upset? <laughs> I would love to choose the Jaguars here. I chose them last week, and I turned the game off when they were down 27 to nothing, and I totally missed the comeback. Uh, but I just don't see that happening in this one. If if Kansas City gets out to 27 to nothing, it's a the game's going to be 42 to nothing by the time it's <laughs> over. I just don't see the Bengals – I mean, the, the Jaguars coming back from that, yes, 100% Kansas City. Yeah, uh, I believe uh, 100% to Kansas City. I, I I do like the Jags of covering like a spread of, I want to say like eight or nine, maybe 10 points, but I, I like Kansas City to win overall. Okay. So we're at the final question of the game or of the day. Give me a parlay of at least three legs for this weekend's playoff games. Have I you actually both done your homework? I had it. it Look at this. I got it right here. I got it written down. It's queued up. (laughs) Now, the problem is my three-leg parlay will not take on DraftKings. It doesn't count for a parlay for some reason. Really? Oh, yeah, because like some of them, it's like you can't combine this with this and all that. Yeah, but whatever. This is my parlay. (laughs) I've got Dallas plus the four. Okay. Okay. I got Dallas plus four. I've got Mahomes to go over two and a half touchdowns. Okay. And I've got Christian McCaffrey to go over 66 and a half yards on the ground. There it is. There's my three way. The VD parlay. I'm going to go, I'm going to give you four legs. Uh, First, I love that. (laughs) First one I'm going to give you is Jamar Chase to go over 70 yards. I still think. You know, if the Bengals are going to win this game, they got to throw the ball. And I, I like Jamar Chase. I think he's he's going to show up just like Joe Burrow's going to show up. I like Josh Allen to throw for 250. Um, I like Saquon Barkley for any time touchdown score. And I like Tony Pollard to go for 50-plus yards because if this 49ers defense has a weakness, it is up the middle. Uh, I think the Cowboys are going to want to control a little clock themselves. Um, and Pollard has been the premier back. He averaged, he, he nearly doubles uh, Zeke's average yards per carry. Um, and I think they're going to realize that. So I think Pollard clears the 50 easily. I like that. I like that. Those are good. I, I didn't do any player props on mine. Um, Ooh, okay. But you I've got game lines. Yeah, I did. Well, not all, you know, a lot, but I, okay. So I've got, I think mine, let me see. Okay. So I've got the Bengals plus five against the bills. Uh, I've also got that game going over 48 and a half points. I've got the Chiefs straight up money line to beat the Jaguars. I've got the Giants plus seven and a half against the Eagles. And then I've got mine is a five leg, actually, isn't it? Yeah. Then it I, is. Yeah. And then I've got the Cowboys 49ers to go over 45 and a half total. I think those are all going to hit, to be honest. I, I hope mean, so. I, I'm looking at like a uh, a 15 way parlay here. I think I'm going to make money. <laughs> Vince wrote, wrote them all down. He's like, I wrote them all down, track. baby. <laughs> I'm putting I think like my two biggest question is, these. my biggest question I have is, do the Bengals cover that five? That's, That's going to be the toughest one. Yeah, I yeah, agree. I think I think the rest of them I'm pretty confident in. That's that's the one right there. So so let's hey let's make some money, baby. I'm ready. Let me see. I think Irish, Irish Chi-Town threw one up. Jags will cover. Eagles win. Bills win, but don't cover. Okay, so he's he's agreeing. He likes that. He likes that Bengals plus five. Then basically, yeah. if, yep. if the Bills win but don't cover. Listen, yep. I'm telling you right now. If you pick the Chiefs money line, Giants money line, Bills money line, Cowboys money line, coming from the guy that was know last week, that's plus sixteen hundred odds right there, baby. You throw down five bucks and you're cooking. That's at least a hundred dollars. So, so say that again. The who money line now? The Cowboys, the Giants, the Chiefs, and the Bills. Okay. Plus 1,600. Hmm. I just feel like I'm throwing my money away on including the Cowboys. In that. <laughs> so. You're all right with the Giants, but Cowboys? Eh. Well, I need you to have some I, optimism. I, I just, you know, that, that whole hard to beat a team three times and all that stuff. I think that the Eagles are the better team. And like as hard as it is to cheer for either team because Philly fans are just totally obnoxious right now, like how great they think yeah. the, the Eagles are. Yeah. Like it's totally like I don't want them to win anything, but again, 
I don't want it to be the Giants getting hot again. Jesse and I had this conversation earlier this week. Like the Cowboys have never been that team that like gets into the playoffs and like, oh, here we are. We're getting a little momentum and, you know, now we're doing all this. The freaking Giants have done it twice and won Super Bowls. I don't, I just, I can't see the the Giants get hot and get to an NFC championship, you know, be one game away. And I don't, I don't want to see him in the Super Bowl again, let alone win one. So I can't. So keep I can't in mind, they, they still have Daniel Jones as their quarterback. They're not going to the Super Bowl. You mean Danny Dimes? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> who I mean. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, good stuff today. Enjoy the playoffs this weekend. Enjoy some basketball if you wish, whatever it happens to be. And we will talk on Monday. Have a good weekend, everybody. Yes. Hit the like button on your way out if you would. Subscribe, comment, rate, and review. And we will talk to you Monday. Have a great weekend. Abby Nation Sports Talk.